I'm Megan. And I'm Jen. And you're listening to the Travel Mug Podcast. Every episode, we talk about travel destinations, interesting trivia, and even some travel fails. Let's dive into today's episode. Don't forget to travel mug. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Travel Mug Podcast. It's Megan, and joining me as always, my partner in podcasting, Jen. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. And we're so happy you, the listener, are here. So we hope you enjoyed our most recent episode, Beginner's Guide to Mainland Nova Scotia. And we are back this week to chat about planning your trip to Cape Breton Island. So here you have it, folks. We are going to put all of our focus on Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. So we thought we would do this. And, you know, obviously it's a beautiful place, but actually it's quite recognized. So in 2021, It was named the number one island in North America by readers of Condé Nast, and it has won many accolades for its world-famous golf courses. Now, we're not necessarily golfers, but obviously this is a huge deal in the golf world, Um, and we can't not stress enough that if you have the time on your visit to Nova Scotia to definitely don't leave out Cape Breton. It should not be missed. But first things first, a question that is often asked, and you know, we get it, is Cape Breton part of Nova Scotia? So Jen, walk us through the basics. Yes. So Cape Breton is in fact an island and like, no kidding, Cape Breton Island. Sure. Connected (laughs) to mainland Nova Scotia by the Canso Causeway. But the island is part of the province of Nova Scotia. Thank goodness, because we love it and we are so happy to claim it as part of our beautiful province here. Obviously, we're giving it its own episode, so that's how special we think it is. Um, And we both have special connections to Cape Breton as well. So I'm excited to dive in and talk more about Cape Breton. And if people want to actually go to Cape Breton, what's your advice in terms of how to get there? Like, I know there's options. So what what should the people know? All right. Yeah. Similar to mainland Nova Scotia, there are several options to get to Cape Breton. So Sydney does have a small airport. The flying options are limited nowadays, (laughs) unfortunately, in this, you know, post-COVID-y world and in the flying world it is severely limited so you are able to fly directly into sydney from like toronto halifax maybe a couple of other places not and make sure you pick sydney nova scotia not australia oops yep people have made that mistake yeah that would be a big surprise (laughs) so you can drive from the mainland across the kansas causeway like we said and we do want to caution you that if you plan to rent a car in nova scotia this summer Book ahead, book early, book right now. Stop this podcast and book it and come. Go book your car. (laughs) Supply is like not meeting demand. There are so many shortages and prices are, are quite high. So shop around, look for some alternatives. There are even some car dealerships that are offering rentals. So check that out, not just the car rental services. Don't necessarily take the first one you see or cancel because of the high price. Like, look at all of your options. We want you to come, so you can figure it out. (laughs) We believe in you. Yes. And then you can also drive from Newfoundland and take the ferry that comes from Newfoundland and lands in North Sydney. Or you can arrive by cruise ship right into downtown Sydney. So 
that's it. Those are the options. I think that's a lot of options, honestly, for such a smallish place. Yes. So, Megan, how many days do you think people need when exploring Cape Breton? Let's let's break that down. When we talked about mainland Nova Scotia, I think we sort of set along the same ideas. It really depends on what you want to see and how much time you have. It is important to note as well that if you are driving to Cape Breton, let's say from Halifax, because you did fly into Halifax, that it's going to take up part of your day just to get to Cape Breton. So keep that in mind that part of your day going to and also coming from will be taken up with that drive. So plan accordingly. I would say, and we have done a week-long trip ourselves in Cape Breton during the pandemics, but to fully explore the island, honestly, especially if you've never been before, I would say seven to nine days. You could even stretch that out a little bit more, but I think that would be a good amount of time with several stops, hitting all the main spots, including doing some hikes and whatnot. And even if you see something spontaneous, still leaving a little bit of room for that as well. You can certainly do a visit in like two to four days but like anywhere you would just really have to pick what really matters what you really want to see understanding that you are going to miss some stuff but really that's just more reason to come back honestly so do you kind of agree with that timeline or what are your thoughts definitely I think that people hear island and think that it is small (laughs) yeah really pretty big and you know you can drive technically the Cabot Trail in like one to two days, but you want to stretch that out over like three to four to five to really like explore instead of just literally driving your car in a loop. So yeah, and then that's just one part of the island and then there's still the rest of it. So definitely, I would say a week you could do a lot. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. And in your opinion too, Like, what do you feel is the best time to visit Cape Breton? Oh, yeah, that's a hard question. So (laughs) (laughs) like we said, Nova Scotia in general, July and through to October is kind of the best bet for weather. And keep in mind that things start to close here after Canadian Thanksgiving, like I learned on my (laughs) trip around Cape Breton. No. Yes. No. Food. Anyway, <laughs> we figured it out. But a lot of people want to visit Cape Breton for the fall colors and people are trying to time it. And it is it's tricky. It is. Um, so it really depends on if we've had like a bad hurricane season or not, like in 2022. But like generally after or around the first week of October is usually good. Sometimes one side of the Cabot Trail is ready and the other side is not. Sometimes it's past prime for one side of the Cabot Trail and the other side is perfect. It's extremely hard to hit the sweet spot. So I think kind of try to pick around the first bit of October and you should get something. Hope the best. (laughs) And I would say too, like if someone does for some reason come here in the winter, there's great skiing as well. So that's always an option, especially even in mainland or in Cape Breton, there's ski options. Yes. But I think you just have to be prepared that there are a lot of things are going to be closed, like like the national historic sites and that sort of thing. They just, we don't have that many tourists in the winter. So it's a good way to to not have any crowds, but also things aren't open. So there's a balance. Literally, you got to eat some food, you know, you know. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. So where should people start when they, let's say that they arrive in the Sydney airport? Which I mean, that's a great question. So we talked about this earlier. If you're lucky enough to find some flights that work for your vacation, your trip will begin at the J.A. Douglas McCurdy Sydney Airport, which is on the Glace Bay Highway between the towns of Sydney and Glace Bay. It really is a good kicking off point, honestly, and it's an easy way to see both towns before heading out onto the rest of the island. So Sydney's the largest town in Cape Breton. Glace Bay has a lot of mining history, so you can do a mine tour. There's some really great cliffs and sea glassing there if that's your thing. So it is, you know, somewhere you should definitely stop if you have the time. Being a bit more realistic, though, you will likely drive across the Canso Causeway. And this is when you need to decide to go left or right. And this decision will depend on what you want to see on the island. So, Jen, talk us through a little bit about, you know, what's the best way, do you think, to, to drive Cape Breton if you go left? Right. So left or left sort of century. Yeah. But there's like left, right, and center. So that is true. Left center will give you the options heading towards Bedeck or more sort of the middle, like Mabu area, Shetakamp, up to North Sydney, and to the Highlands National Park as well. And then you can kind of go to the Inganish. So, as a tourist, this is the direction that I would probably go. Going right takes you towards St. Peter's up towards my mom's house <laughs> along the Bredore Lakes into Sydney and Glace Bay. Also a really good option. St. Peter's is actually, it's a small little town, but it's kind of cute. It's cute. Nice shops and stuff. And so like, I would go that way too. Not because my mom lives there, but I would also go that way. And all, like, even though you go that direction, you still get to Sydney. You can still do Inganish and the the Cape Breton Highlands National Park as well. It just takes a little bit longer, but it is a good way to get Sydney in there as well. Yeah, no, I agree. Like we always go the St. Peter's direction because we're headed to Glace Bay. And of course, that when we eventually did Cape Breton in terms of our week trip, we of course went from Glace Bay up Inganish and around that way because we were already there. Both directions will get you there. Again, it really just kind of depends on what you want to do. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the areas that people shouldn't miss and kind of some things to do. We're not going to do a super deep dive into things to do. We do have two episodes about Cape Breton that kind of breaks it up into two parts. But let's do a little bit of an overview of things that people shouldn't miss. What is up first? Well, of course, we're going to talk about the Cabot Trail slash Cape Breton Highlands National Park area. So, of course, there's great hikes with epic views, including Skyline Trail Hike. We will have some pictures, I'm sure, in our social media for you to look at when the episode comes out. The Cabot Trail Loop is actually a loop. You mentioned this earlier with some really great scenery. If you do the entire thing, and this kind of blew my mind, which I didn't realize, it's 298 kilometers. Wow. That's not short. It is not short. No. 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 <laughs> so you can do some of it. That's the great thing. Or you can do all of it. If you have time, you do get to pick and choose. And as you sort of go along, you will pass, of course, amazing views. 
great small businesses, beautiful golf courses, and sort of wee communities as well to like stop and visit. It's part of the fun, honestly. There's, of course, options for hiking, camping, and food. It is world famous for a reason and honestly well worth the time. And there are events that happen throughout the summer and fall. So be sure to check and see if your trip coincides with some of those. And as you do travel along the trail, there are some sharp turns. There's, of course, wildlife, lots of motorcycles out on the road, especially in the summer. The roads can get really busy with a variety of things. So really just drive with care would be a word of caution, I would say, as well. Yeah, definitely. Like pull over safely in spots that are designated for pulling over for photos because there are parts that are a little bit windy and narrow and you don't want to be in the way. You don't want to be a statistic on your summer vacation. No. All right, Megan, talk to me about the Inganish area because it's actually one of my favorite areas in Cape Breton and I feel like people don't spend enough time there. I completely agree. We definitely spent some time there during our Cape Breton trip and it was it was the probably the highlight. There's of course the world famous Celtic Lodge. It's along the Cabot Trail, sort of sits atop a beautiful strip of land that overlooks Inganish and the beautiful beach there. Um, you can of course golf there, you can eat there, stay, enjoy their spa facilities. When we did stay there in 2021, our room was nice and it did overlook the ocean as well. The food was very good. And it felt a little bit resortish, a little bit dirty dancing-ish in terms of like the resort itself. So that was what I was able to picture in my mind, but that's just a child of the 80s for you right there. <laughs> it is historic and it's a centerpiece of the area. And I would also recommend hiking to the end of the point behind the lodge. We did it right before checkout. So we had to stop like three quarters of the way, unfortunately, just to get back in time to check out. So give yourself enough time. A little. A little bit challenging in some areas, but even the views we saw were well worth it. And I'm sure it's lovely once you get to the end. Have you ever happened to do that hike? I haven't actually. So yeah, I'd like to spend a bit more time in the Inganish area. We haven't actually like stayed there. We just drove through. So yeah, I'm definitely going to, I'll put that on my list. (laughs) Definitely. And across, not the street necessarily, but in very near the Celtic Lodge is also the Atlantic Gondola. So it takes you up Cape Smoky for some amazing views of the Cabot Trail, plus great hiking. And there's a mountaintop snack shop up there. We love a snack shop. We love a snack shop. (laughs) I know. Opening day for 2023 is actually on July 1st. I did look up some prices because we didn't get a chance to take it. It wasn't open yet when we were there. Adults do pay $49.99, children $5.211, $26.99. And more info, of course, can be found on their website. And Cape Smoky as well is a great spot for skiing in the winter. And it's a popular destination really all year round now because of the gondola itself. Mm -hmm. And then I would say before you leave the area, and I've already referenced it, visit Inganish Beach. It's located very near Celtic Lodge. It's a great stretch of sand and ocean. It's not huge, but the views are so amazing. There's so many rocks you can sit on. We went in the evening after all the visitors had left. And it was pretty much deserted and honestly, so relaxing and beautiful. And we do want to caution as well, when you do visit Cape Breton Highlands National Park, 
A park pass is required upon entry so that you can actually stop and enjoy the beaches and all the facilities. So there are park rangers. You don't want to be caught without a park pass. So that's just something to keep in mind where you see it. Don't blow by the booth. Make sure you get a park pass for your time there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it is really easy to like accidentally drive by the booth. Mm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> accidentally. Um, accidentally. Yes, yes. Um, just purchase the park pass. It does help keep our parks amazing and kept up and have facilities. So definitely. Where else can we go, Jen? Okay, so this is one of my personal favorite areas in Cape Breton, and um, which is the Fortress of Lewisburg and the town of Lewisburg itself. So the Fortress of Lewisburg is a national historic site. gives you a chance to explore a reconstructed 18th century French colonial town. It is really cool to kind of wander around, get the bread. They bake homemade bread. And- I missed the bread. It, it like haunts me to this day. Oh, it's so good, Megan. I know. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> I got to get back there. Outside the fortress walls in, in the town, there are hiking trails. There's a lighthouse. And there is the famous Lewisburg Playhouse as well. So if there's a performance going on while you're there, you should check that out too. It is just a really great area and super interesting if you're into history and and that sort of stuff as well. Definitely. All right. What else you got? All right. So next is Bedeck and the Alexander Graham Bell Museum. So it's another area steeped in history. Alexander Graham Bell, inventor of the telephone. Mm -hmm. We love him. Uh, (laughs) Lived many years right, right there in Bedeck. You can explore his inventions at a museum. He didn't just invent the telephone, actually. So there is a museum, which is the National Historic Site. And Bedeck is a cute town to wander through. And I want to special mention the Bean There Cafe, because I love a cafe. Yes, adorable, adorable. And I think, too, before we finish off in terms of some things you should see, we have to mention, much like mainland Nova Scotia, you'd think we're a drinking crowd here. Oh, we're a drinking crowd. <laughs> it would be true if that's what you think. So much like mainland of the province, there's obviously breweries and distilleries you can visit. Quick mention to Breton Brewing Company. They're actually located in Sydney. We went there ourselves. You can actually bring your own snacks have the beer. It's quite an enjoyable atmosphere. There's Big Spruce Brewing near Bedeck, which is, I think, Nyanza, actually. And we spent some time there as well. Lovely. And then in Inverness, there's Route 19. And then the distillery most of note there is the Glenoris Distillery in Mabu. So something else you can check out if you're into the spirits. Yeah, if you're into cider, I really like Island Folk Cider Company, which is in Sydney, Oh, nice. Yeah. And there's a Quebec major junior hockey team in Cape Breton, too. So if you're into some hockey, if you're there during hockey season, go check out the Eagles at the Center 200 in Sydney. And like one of the things I wanted to mention, too, like we said in the Nova Scotia mainland episode, is talking to the locals. And Mm. I think that is especially true in Cape Breton. Like, Cape Bretoners are very proud to be from Cape Breton and they do love sharing the history of the area. You know, a lot of people would say I'm a Cape Bretoner, not I'm a Nova Scotian, right? Like it's yeah. very much a regional pride and 
people are extremely friendly. So yeah, definitely if you're grabbing a drink at one of those places, you can, uh, you know, hang out with the locals, chat with them, and they'd be happy to share, you know, some stories about about growing up in Cape Breton, I'm sure, because every, every Cape Bretoner I've talked to loves to talk. <laughs> yes, definitely. And I think you're exactly right. I, I also think that Cape Breton has a unique culture as well that goes back to sort of some people still speak Gaelic. There's oftentimes, you know, fiddling groups and like yeah. step dancing. A close friend I went to travel school with, Helen and her sister, Dawn, they both still do the traditional fiddling as well as step dancing. So you may even come across an event like that. And if you do, don't miss it. Like that kind of thing is what Cape Breton is about. So, you know, really do get immersed in the culture. If if you come across those types of events, you won't forget it. You honestly won't. Yeah, no, it is. It's an amazing area. And definitely I love spending time there. Not just because both of my parents are born in Cape Breton and my mom lives there again now, but it does have a special place in my heart and it is a really fun place to visit with some unique experiences as well. Definitely. All right. Well, that is it for this week's episode. So we hope you have fun planning your Cape Breton adventure. Don't forget to go back through our catalog of episodes. We have some specific Cape Breton content released late no late October, early November, 2020. Oh my gosh. Oh, I know. Forever ago now, but <laughs> it will help you do a little bit more of a deep dive of things to do around Cape Breton and some things to see. So if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Buy us a coffee and you get some extra content and find us on social media at Travel Mug Podcast and on our website, travelmugpodcast.com. We're also on YouTube. We're everywhere. You can come hang out with us. <laughs> And we'll chat with you again soon. Bye. Bye.